across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Yes, Audible, the way to learn and listen to books without having to turn a page. Uh, Audible's awesome. I've always been a big fan. I always have several books on Audible that I'm listening to or getting ready to listen to after the next one is done. Right off the bat, I've got a great book for you to listen to. It's called The Surrender Experiment. It's by Mickey Singer, and it's changed my life. It really has. At, at first, I was unsure about it. I thought it might be too spiritual for me, but it really wasn't spiritual at all. It was, but it wasn't. It, uh, this guy's built a company with thousands and thousands of employees, and he's used a different way to make decisions throughout his life, and it's benefited him. And I've actually tried it recently, and it's it's affected me, and it's, it's working well. So highly recommend Surrender Experience, Mickey Singer. Michael Singer. Check it out. Just go. You can listen to this book for free, actually, as a listener of this show by getting a free 30-day membership to Audible. All you got to do is go to audio.hybendigital.com. That's audio.hybendigital.com. This episode is brought to you by Rebus University. Yes, Rebus University, the home of the Certified Listing Agent course. Many people taking the Certified Listing Agent course, you will never, ever lose a listing again. If you take this course over and over and you ingrain this stuff into your head, that is certainly our goal, I should say. And I got a $100 off coupon for you at hybendigital.com backslash discount. That's hybendigital.com backslash discount there. You could also sign up for the coming CTA course, which is a certified team agent with Jeff Cohn at Omaha, Nebraska. If you're interested in getting a super discount on that, because I need some beta testers on that course. And if you beta test it, I'll give you 50% off. So if you want to get on the beta list, go to rebusuniversity.com backslash courses backslash CTA. I'll repeat that. rebusuniversity.com backslash courses backslash CTA for the certified beta tester list of the certified team agent course. Okay, Rockstar Nation, man, I have a special guest today. I have Mr. Damian Lupo on the line, and, and you know, here's the thing, and the reason I wanted to get Damian on the show was because this, look, I've been talking to a lot of people, and I'm going to say, you know, I hate to say this because it ages me, right? I'm 51, but, you know, I don't, I feel like I'm 21, and, and when I say things like this, I don't feel good about you know, my age, but I'm going to say it anyways. I've been talking to a lot of youngsters, a lot of youngins about, you know, where they're at in investing in real estate and selling real estate and having, there's people out there that are agents that are selling hundreds and hundreds of houses and, you, you know, with their first experience and they're still in their twenties or thirties, you know, of having a, a business and their business is killing it. And congratulations to them for that. 
But they're not saving and they're not uh, investing and they're not doing what I see is prudent to do for when the shit hits the fan. And as Robert Kiyosaki uh, mentioned in my previous podcast, if you haven't heard it, listen to it. I believe it's 405. You need to be doing that. You need to be more conservative and you need to hear some stories of someone who has well, lost it all. And uh, Damien has been willing to share his stories, actually wrote a book about it, of losing it all in real estate. And uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about how to be judgment proof. So if something does happen, he's going to make sure that it he doesn't lose it all again. And he's going to talk about how. So anyways, I'm excited about this call. I think it's great. I love that he's willing to share Reminds me of a quote or a rap lyric, actually, from one of my favorite artists, Atmosphere. He said, I wear my scars like rings on a pimp. And Damien is going to be wearing his scars today for you guys like rings on a pimp. So I'll let you talk now, Damien. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, Pat. It's awesome to be here with you and your and your folks. Listen, why don't you give our audience a little background on yourself uh, so they can get to know you better? I'd love to. Um, I, I got started back in the late, late 90s when I read a book actually by Robert Kiyosaki called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I, got, I, I was uh, introduced into real estate and got real excited about it and was selling insurance at the time, thought real estate was, was the place I wanted to be. So sold my little book of business and started doing real estate investments. And I went guns blazing. Didn't, I, I had dropped out of college, so I really didn't have academic intelligence. I just went out there and worked my ass off and was in the trenches and started buying houses and bought a lot of houses really, really quick. So I was also a real estate agent, at, and in, I used that kind of to help get some, some cash in the door with some of my own deals. I just went out and thought, I'm going to be the next Donald Trump. At the time, that sounded really good. I'm not sure if it sounds as good now, but I, I would, that was my plan. So I went out and and I bought a ton of houses. So over the period of, of 2000 to 2004, I bought 150 houses. Whoa, and, holy yeah, dirt. 150 yeah. houses? Yeah. And okay. I mean, they, the first four months, I was like a lot of people. I got all excited, went to some seminars, bought a couple of houses, and was fixing them up myself. And then I thought, I should probably look at my balance sheet and see how things are going. And I looked and realized I was 30 days away from going bankrupt. And I went, whoa, I need to do something. Wait a minute. Let, let me slow this down. First of all, everyone's wondering, I'm sure, okay, how do you buy 150 houses in, in four years? Like, do you, like, what type of loans did you get? Uh, you know, how, do, how does one do that? Or did you have a couple million in cash to start out with? The, the funny part is my first book was how I lost my first million, and it was all the mistakes I made going through this process. I didn't have any money. I had some Visa cards, and I had a, a, a craving to learn. So I was listening to everybody. I was reading every book, and I was using every creative method out there. So I couldn't qualify for a loan. What I could do is cut deals and work on, on solving problems. So I met with people. I used guerrilla marketing, and I met with a lot of people and found out what their problem was, what their pain point was, and found a way to serve them and took over a lot of mortgages. And so for the first so probably- when you, when, you, when you say took over a lot of mortgages, you mean you were doing like land installment contracts and assumptions and things like that? 
Exactly. I was doing everything you can imagine, everything anybody's ever heard of. I've probably done it a dozen times. And, and you, that's were how ju- I, you were I, just signing people up. Like you were, you were looking for people in distress and you're like, Hey, I'll come over, you know, uh, there's a legal way that I can do this. Uh, and then you would take over with minimum amount of cash. Some of them, they're, they're still on the hook. I'm assuming, you know, if, if you get foreclosed on and then, uh, and then you found a renter and plugged them in. 150 right. times you did this. I, I, I did that, Pat. I was out there and I was I was creating ways to to take over, to do lease options, to land installment contracts, you name it. And then my typical method would be to on-sell, to sell to a new person under under contract. And I was looking for the, the golden egg. I was looking for the cash flow. Wait a minute. What does that I, mean, on-sell? So it's I think it's a term probably more in Australia because I was hanging out with a lot of Australia people at the seminars and we would on sell we would we would um, create a, a lease option or a land contract for a new person that was going to move into the house. So I became the bank in the middle. So so you go to somebody in mm-hmm. distress. You say, "Hey, I I can solve your problem. You move out. I'll buy this from you." They they you just take over their mortgage, right? Yep. And then you do like a rent with option to buy with a tenant. Yes. It's also called like a wrap, what people would call a wraparound. So I did that type of thing. Now, is the first guy still liable? He is. If I had flaked out on him, he would be liable. Okay. All right. All right. Keep going. All right. So, so I did that. I, I ended up, got, I got, I found out I was close to running out of cash. Mostly I was run, running out of my visa credit limit, which wasn't very big. And so I went and bought eight houses that month. That was May of 2000, uh, 2000 and it took over those houses. <laughs> on, your, went, on your, on your, on your visa. On my visa, I was taking out cash advances, and then I would go find a new person to move in really quick, and hopefully they would give me more than what I had to pay the the previous owner. So I was just moving really quick and and hoping it would all work out. Meanwhile, I was doing the thing that I think a lot of people do. I wasn't really paying attention to the money or the financing or the accounting. So I was moving fast, saw a lot of money flying around, and and then I did this for about two years. So over two years, I was probably somewhere between 80 and 100 houses for the first two years. And then I realized I had a big old mess. And, and Like and you so, were paying attention to like whether you were making money on the rents or not. I, I, some, uh, there were a couple of houses where I didn't realize I didn't my, – my tenants or my people that were in there hadn't paid for eight or 12 months because I had so much chaos going on. Jeez. So it, it's, this is the problem with going really fast and not having any accountability or any yeah. accounting intelligence. Or hi- yeah, or hiring somebody – not hiring exactly. you know, or, or maybe <laughs> you did hire someone you just didn't listen to them. I don't know. I, well, I was the smartest person I knew. I mean, I was I was ten feet tall and bulletproof at the time in my mind, and my ego was running a show that that I was going to pay a price for down the road. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Good lord. Okay, so here you are. You got 150 houses. You got rents coming in. You got obviously 150 rents a month or or so coming in. You got all this money going into the bank. You got money going out of the bank. But what year are we now? We're probably 2004. Okay, so what happens? So 2004, it starts to seem a little funky that properties are going up 10, 15% a month in Phoenix, where I was at at the time. And I thought, something's not right. So I start selling these these houses and like selling them, just cashing them out because property became liquid. You could put yeah, a house on the good. market and it was gone in a week. So I was, I was getting rid of these things, making money. By 2005, I had sold off 
a vast majority of the houses. And wow. so I, I felt pretty good and I felt really smart then. So what does anybody do that's been really successful and never had their head kicked in? They go out and they, they double down. So I did that. I went and, and started developing. I started buying properties to bulldoze next to the Bush estate up in Maine, multi-million dollar oceanfront properties apartment complexes all over the country in Memphis. Like Robert talked about his sister looking at a at a property out there and I was buying next to Graceland and doing remote development in seven different states. And so I went way bigger and leveraged up. And so I was all over the place. And that's where I pretty much met my demise because at that point there was nothing that could stop me except me blowing up. So this was, uh, let's say this is 2007. So like what kind were you making like a ton of, of money in 2006, that, 2007? What was going so on there? I, so in 2005, when I sold all these things off, I, I, I made a ton of money that came in. And at that point, I felt really smart. Everybody looked at me like I had this golden touch. And I, my timing was really, really good. And I had and, taken and you, a lot of action. You had to pay a lot of taxes on that then. I did. I did. There was, yeah. there was definitely a tax event. In fact, that was one of the one of the most brutal experiences, getting a $672,000 bill in the mail with, from the IRS. I didn't enjoy that experience. Yeah. And it, it, was, it wasn't because I actually owed it. It was actually because I hadn't filed because I was going so fast. And I just had to, <laughs> So I looked at that and, and called my tax attorney and panicked and he said, relax, we're just delayed. So it, it, was, it was just it was part of my process of being young and, and stupid and not having a team. So that 2006, 2007, had a bunch of money and went after bigger projects. And at that point, I wasn't really making money. I was going into development where you make money if your timing isn't totally jacked up, uh, theoretically. And mine couldn't have been worse. Yeah, with developers, uh, one of the things my financial planner always says, with developers and builders, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when, right? There's always going to be a time where it's like, you're screwed. You need to have some cash in the bank or, or your company's going to go out of business. So, so obviously with you, the same thing applied. It wasn't a matter of if it was a matter of when, and the when happened to hit you two or three years in. So tell me what happened. All right, Pat. So 2007, things start getting squirrely. I start seeing some things, some of my markets not going quite right. Things are slowing down. And by 2008, I, I had things that were falling apart. Things, houses were sitting that I had built and weren't moving. I had seven different projects that I expected personally to bring in a million dollars from each project. And I figured even if I was wrong on a couple of them, everything would be fine. Problem was I was wrong on all seven and all seven failed. All seven. Time. So you have seven projects with, with multiple houses, like little developments, right? With houses or, or one big mansion or something, right? It, these are these are multi-million dollar houses. These are apartment complexes in Memphis. I had a 119 unit apartment complex that I gave back to the lender. I had a, a condo development that ended up going sideways. Handed it back to all the investors, and and so everything fell apart. And at wow. that point, it was just giving stuff back. Okay, and- so here's a here's a, here's a couple lessons I'm gaining from this. I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, yeah, I please. want people to learn. Okay, so so t- tell me if you don't mind about this apart about this uh, not about the apartments that makes sense about about the condo. So you you went out there and you you went to people you know that you knew right in whatever yes. world it was and said. Look, I'm building this condo. We're going to make a lot of money. Here's what I'm going to do. Give me a hundred grand. Give me a half, half a million, whatever. 
I'm going to return you double your money or whatever you promised them. They were like, cool. They gave you their hard-earned money. And then what happened? Worst experience of my life, having that fail and having to tell people that I lost their money and and that and looking back and thinking about what I did wrong. And at the time, I rejected that it was me that and that it was totally my responsibility. And and I, I was doing a lot of blaming and justifying and and it was painful because people I'd known for decades told me you're the antichrist and I hope you burn in hell. And Holy shit. So okay, so yeah. so you built these condos right and then you think everyone's going to want to buy them nobody wants to buy them right so now we 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 sold half of them so we were stuck the market starts going down okay, and we've you got sold half, half and then yeah. no one wants to buy the other half nobody wants to buy the other half and we're just sitting there bleeding cash and we're running out of bleeding of cash cap. and even if you lower the price it, it doesn't help and the, the 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 maintenance is not getting done cuz the condo fees aren't enough or you're running out of money enough to do the maintenance and keep them up and then the the people that did buy them are complaining because everything's broken and you're not fixing it and then you just say I'm out you give it back to the there is no bank there's a bunch of investors family members friends who who was in this group it was it was friends and people that were some of the friends were family and people I'd known since I was three years old. And so there was a wide group of people and I'd, there were, the friendships were, were destroyed. Uh, it was, it was brutal. It was painful. It, I can't even imagine going, it basically put me into the dark ages. I mean, it was, and it was mostly because I wasn't willing to take responsibility for a hundred percent of it. I still had blame of partners and, and the economy and and so that was the biggest problem. I and thought it got, it, was it the, got to the point like when you know your best friend from three years old is like you're the antichrist. I never want to talk to you again. Yeah, it was probably the the worst thing uh, hearing that from from him and and feeling that I had let him down and he had retired and used money and he'd been investing with me for years mm. and things had been going really really well and then he couldn't get a job after that after things melted down and to know that that I had a part of that it 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 put me into a place where I mean there's there're dark thoughts when you're in that space and it's it makes you get really really uh, mindful around raising money or borrowing money or having partners investors because you can destroy people's lives if you're not careful that that's intense dude so so what what kind of advice do you have now for you know what would you say to someone who who's is is gleaming for some advice from you that's like hey you know a buddy of mine is knocking down a house or a, a large a little farm and they're going to put up seven houses there today and it's you know it's 2016 going on 2017 what would you tell them? First off, I think it's a crazy time to be doing any type of development. Without, If I'm wrong, that's fine. My, my advice to someone, anybody that's going to be doing developing or investing is be honest about what you're doing. Give your word that here's what I'm doing and be, be self-responsible and own every part of it. There's no blaming about that. And, and there's nothing to be afraid of if, if you're wrong. If the market collapses, hey, you know what? It's business. It happens. It's the dance where nothing can go wrong, and if it does, it wasn't my fault. So if you're responsible and you focus on the the one thing that matters that you're focused on with your goals, and, and we 
Yeah, I, I mean, you're giving you're giving advice to to the developer, but for the person investing, essentially, you're saying yeah. run the heck away, right? Yeah, I, well, right now I, today, I agree with today. Yeah, today. I, I I agree with Robert Kiyosaki when he's with the same thing he's been talking about. I think it's I think it's a crazy time. I don't think people should put their head in the sand and not do anything. I think if you're going to do something, focus on that one thing, get very clear, and 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 then own it. It's it's yours. And so even when things, even when the shit hits the fan, it, it's you can go through that if you own it. And I think that that's the big differentiator from people that have been through hell. They're willing to step into the fire again, just like I am. And we raised, I, I personally raised a million dollars this year in, in 85 days for my venture. And I did that knowing full well with full disclosure that, hey, this thing could collapse and everybody is on board knowing they could lose their money and I'm giving everything. So I don't have any regrets. And if it collapsed, I wouldn't feel like I let people down because I'm giving my heart and my soul and I'm all in on it. So there's yeah. a total difference from before. Okay. So now, you, you know, let's keep on the timeline here. 2008, yep. 2009, you're curled up in a ball in the corner of a room. Eventually, obviously, you come out of this thing and you say, okay, now I'm going to make myself judgment proof so this does not happen to me again. So I don't go from hero to zero, right? From I don't go from multi multi millionaire to, you know, broke, busted and disgusted. So how how today have you made yourself judgment proof or made yourself immune from losing it all? Quite honestly, I don't think there's any way to avoid losing it all unless you bury some gold in the backyard. And in 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 my case, for what I'm doing, I'm I've gone all in. So every resource I have is is in my venture, and I think that's why people are backing it because it's I'm seriously all in. It, and at the same time, I'm not stupid. I've got I've got attorneys that advise me, and and so one of the, the strategies I use is is the ERISA laws with with the 401k laws and things. And I and I keep funds and I keep some of my resources inside those vehicles and that's that's a way to protect them it's it's keeping them buried that system those laws are really protective and and can be used so that if bankruptcy or uh, creditors come after you I didn't have this stuff when I went down before so I gave everything back I was there was foreclosures and I was I was done if I'd had if I'd had a 401k or an eqrp if I'd had something like that, I would have been able to walk away with something, okay, but it, so let's, I had to start let's, over. Okay, so let's slow this down. What first of all, what is an EQRP? It's it's a it, it's uh, similar to a four hundred one k. It's it's give, it gives you more power to do things like invest in real estate okay. with retirement money. So okay. I didn't have any of that, but that's that's what we that's what we've created. Right, and you know, Damien is not saying, hey, and we're going to jump into you know four hundred one ks and investing and all that stuff. But he he is not saying, hey, just because it's in a four hundred one k, it's protected. I mean, if you get into like the condo deal that he had ten years ago. <laughs> With your 401k, that money would be zero. It, it, it doesn't help that it's in a 401k. I, no. want, I want to focus on the, uh, first of all, I want to focus on the lessons that you learned here. And I, uh, let me paraphrase some what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is, no, is number one, you didn't, you obviously didn't hire people uh, that were good or that, that uh, if you did, you didn't listen to them. Um, you, you know, clearly, you know, one of the most important things and one of the things that anybody should watch over and above anything is their numbers. I pay a lot of money to my guy who oversees all my numbers um, of all my businesses, of all my 
properties, everything. I'm getting reports after reports. I learned this uh, from my friend David Osborne, who I remember 20 years ago, I was sitting with him at a an, an awards banquet uh, in the front row, and he pulls out these reports, and he's looking through all these reports in the middle of this social event. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going through my reports, and ever since then, I've always been a report guy, and clearly what Damien wasn't doing was looking at reports. Uh, everybody should be report crazy and just save as much in, in their reports and, and have somebody that do, does reports and tell them what's right and what's wrong. And if it's wrong, do something about it. Second thing is, I think you probably were a little manic in your, you know, your spree. You know, you went all in so fast that you didn't have time to kind of step back and see if it's actually working or not, right? To, you, you know, you got to wait for the jury to come out sometimes when you invest. I mean, I can tell you one of the things I did is... Uh, you know, I, I, you know, once I sold my team business in 2010, I uh, started becoming a full-time investor. I invested in 16 different private companies. And I finally just now recently within the last year decided to step back and stop betting on the come, stop, stop investing in, in companies. Cause I need to see, I need to let the jury come out to see if these things are actually going to work or not. Uh, before I keep investing more and more money in them. And I think that you kind of didn't do that. And sometimes when you jump all in, that happens. And obviously, this time around, you're getting attorneys, you're getting accountants, and you're paying a lot of money for that, right? I'm, Pat, I'm investing up front in that stuff. I'm not waiting to have a problem. I'm, I'm doing the foundational work. And, and those mistakes, like you, you'd asked about some of the mistakes. And in, in your book, you, you talk about looking at your net worth, looking at your numbers like every day and, and being obsessed about that stuff. And that's what I am now too. And that's, that was what I wasn't before. I thought wealth and I thought success was that I had an American Express black card that I could go spend a million dollars on. And I was, I thought that was, that meant I was financially literate. But now the, the lesson is know those numbers and having somebody else that you're accountable to that is giving you feedback or pushback that you trust and respect so that you're not looking at your numbers going, yeah, I'm so, I'm so smart and I'm so good because I've got a $150,000 credit line. Like that isn't, that isn't smart. That's just dangerous. That's, that's a lot of uh, ammunition for a gun that you don't know how to shoot. So the, the numbers is is crucial. It's having a team that are smarter than you and and being willing to listen to them and not just think that you know everything because there's no way we could. My other mistake that I made, I hired B's and C's and I hired scoundrels. So that was on me. I hired the wrong people. I brought the wrong partners in and I wanted to have friends. So I, I had people that were partners that were looking to figure out how they could take advantage of me. And that worked for me because I wanted to have some, some people in my life. So I basically bought friends. Big mistake. Cost me millions of dollars. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think that, you know, I, I, I always go back to one of the things that uh, Sean Stevenson says, which is, he says, if you, if you strip down the three most important things in life naked, they're impervious to bullshit. Meaning if you strip down health, wealth, and relationships naked, you can't BS them. And, and by that, he means health. If you're naked and, and you have a beer gut, right? It, it, people know you're not in shape. You know, you're not in good health. If you, if you strip down and show people your credit score and show people how much money 
you have in the bank naked, you people know whether you're broke or really rich, whether you should be deserving to drive a Mercedes Benz and to have a boat. And the same thing with relationships. You know, if you've been married seven times and your kids hate you, right? And you display that to the world, they're going to know that, you know, you're, you're full of it on uh, whether, you know, on creating relationships. So uh, I think that's what you're saying is, 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 is you've done now is you've become naked and you're impervious to bullshit now because, uh, you know, before you were driving, uh, you know, fancy cars and spending money and you had this Amex black card, but you were broke. You know, uh, essentially, I, I, I was broke. I, I was totally broke. And that what you just said comes down to there's there's a, a real key thing that numbers don't lie. The Ferrari that I'm driving and the the Rolex and all that that's a lie because that that Ferrari was financed. That Rolex was probably financed. And all that stuff. If somebody had said, "Let me see the bank account. Let me actually see your financial statement." And that's what I ask people when they talk about how their business is great or their real estate is great or whatever. I say, "Great. What's coming in? What's your cash flow? What's the real deal?" And nobody wants to talk about it because the numbers don't lie. Mm, they don't. They don't. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you do now, which is, uh, you, you know, uh, helping people invest in uh, real estate through retirement accounts. And a lot of people don't think of this as a way to, to actually do, you know, something, self-directed IRAs. I know recently... I did a private investment into a company called Umbral at a, a it's it's actually at Austin, Texas or or the the investment uh, was through Austin, Texas and and I didn't know I could do this and I decided to do it through a self-directed IRA. I had to change accounts because my financial guy couldn't do it, but I was able to do it through just opening an, another account online minimum cost. And uh, it, it, it worked flawlessly. And I know uh, one of my business partners, Tim Rode, buys all kinds of real estate through his IRA and through his retirement account. And people are now have believed that, you know, true, rightfully so, that real estate is a respectable asset class that you could that, that you could be doing just like gold, silver and stocks. So uh, talk to me about this. How do you do it? What do you do with it? So what we've what we've done is we've created something called the EQRP and what this is it's it's actually 10 times better than even the self-directed IRAs and those are better than the 401k's and the IRAs and here's why it's so powerful and so good because it gives you the ability to invest in things like real estate and take on debt and buy physical gold and silver and take delivery of it these are things that you can't even do with a self-directed IRA and the point of all of this is that you get to take your money out of the Wall Street yeah, wait a minute. wheel. Let me stop there. You can right. buy a bar of gold. Yep. Put it in your safe. Yep. And you're, there's no tax consequence to you moving money out of your um, retirement. No, with with that's right. Uh, when you have an EQRP, you are the the you are the custodian of the assets, and you are the administrator and the trustee. And it's different because with an IRA, even a self directed IRA, there's still another custodian that prohibits you by law from taking possession. So you don't have that option. And if you use debt with a real estate transaction with a self directed IRA, there's actually a tax involved. With an EQRP, there's no tax. You can use debt. And 
and there's no tax, you get to keep all of that money in your retirement account. So you have checkbook control and no tax issue. It's a thousand times. It's so much better. It's it's kind of in, it's kind of interesting because if if I did that, let's say I went and bought, you know, put a hundred grand in there, and I bought. X amount of bars of gold, uh-huh. put them in a safe, and then I decide to go one day. I want to go sell one. Sell one. I take it to a store. I sell it. I get the cash. I spend the cash. Then I just die. Eventually, fifty years later, you never actually knew that I did that. How do you? How do you make sure that that people don't just you know do that? I don't. This is, and it's it's probably it's something that uh, I think one of the reasons people like this because they actually have control, and it's not something that's it's not an asset that is is part of the system. So it's really private. I mean, that's one of the reasons people like it. The IRS is not looking at balance sheets or uh, bank statements to see what your assets are. You have your stuff in a private space called your safe or your backyard. So yeah, I mean, people like it for a reason. Wow, that's fascinating. Very fascinating. Well, that's that's cool. Definitely going to have to look into that. If you have any information on that, definitely I want you to share it with me. And I want you to uh, – and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of Damien's information. I'm going to put a link to what he shares with me and a link to his website and ways you can get him. If you want to have this private backyard and you want to uh, investigate how you can do this more, especially with buying real estate on hybendigital.com backslash Damien Lupo and his D-A-M-I-O-N-L-U-P-O. D-A-M-I-O-N-L-U-P-O. Oh, Damien, listen, it's been great having you on the show. Is there any uh, parting words you'd like to give? Yeah, well, for, for one, thank you so much for having me and and for everyone that's listened. I do want to give everyone that's listening a copy of, of my book on the EQRP. It's it's my gift to everyone. And if they just go to the link that you're giving them, then I'll have a, the ability to ship one out. I'll send it to everybody. And, and so that's my gift. And one last thing that I remember hearing from Robert Kiyosaki years ago was that the only time a failure is truly a mistake is when it's not admitted. So own it, admit it, move on, grow, and, and kick ass. Wow. Dude, I really, really appreciate you being so candid and for being so conscious of what you did and so conscious of what you did wrong because everybody learns from it. I think people you know, learn more from Others' mistakes than others' failures. So thanks so much for sharing all that, Damien. I hope we can get together in the future and uh, break some bread uh, next time I'm up in Austin, Texas. Love to, Pat. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Bluehost. Check this out. If you have a website you want to host or already hosting and are probably paying too much, they have disrupted the world when it comes to hosting things inexpensively and efficiently. As little as $3.95 a month and you get a free domain name. They host over 2 million websites worldwide. Check it out, uh, listeners to this show. Very inexpensive and efficient. They can get a free domain. So I got a coupon for a free domain for you. Just go to host.hybendigital.com. That's host.hybendigital.com. Over 2 million websites hosted worldwide by Bluehost. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.